based on the report, that take this, out of 57 countries, Afghanistan, one of the critical countries in the Middle East, right now is facing more political and social unrest because of the word democracy. It's not well preserved and also it's often being overlooked. And how about the people who live in Afghanistan? And how about those women? And again, based on the facts, the women today in Afghanistan, number one, their rights towards education has been taken away. And the second, their social lives are completely in chaos simply because the word democracy is being washed away. And to some extent, some people believe that when we talk about democracy, democracy must stop legitimizing the dictators and it's often necessary for democratic leaders to engage with undemocratic counterparts while conducting diplomacy. Really? Is America doing this or how should America pay more tribute or contribution to this matter? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Dr. Scharf. Again, Dr. Scharf is the co-founder and the CEO of the Fuller Project, the global newsroom dedicated to groundbreaking report that catalyzed positive change for women. And again, if you're familiar with Dr. Scharf, recently she came out with this brand new article, which is entitled, America is again failing Afghanistan's women and itself. Well, Dr. Scharf, and welcome to The Missing Piece. Thank you so much, Will. I'm glad to be with you. Well, Dr. Sharp, again, the pleasure is oh my. I want to get to the question right away. As we mentioned before, based on this uh, Freedom House report, that the concept of democracy is standing at the crossroads, particularly in the country of Afghanistan. And also, we know that women today in Afghanistan are facing more restrictions than ever. Now, you're the expert, Dr. Sharf. Help us to understand what are the major obstacles for women today in Afghanistan? And why do you think under the Taliban, they are putting more pressure or more social or political restrictions on women today? Well, what we're seeing in Afghanistan is the most devastating reversal in women's rights over the shortest period of time in modern history. Women had gained rights over the past 20 years, including that they were comprising 27 percent mm. of parliament. Now, since the since the fall of Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul back in August of 2021, what we see is a steady drumbeat of rights being taken away. Mm. So women are no longer able to hold those offices. Women are not able to attend university. Women are not able to leave home mm. without a male companion, despite a huge number of women who actually live alone. Mm. That means if you break it down, those women cannot go to the doctor, for example, if they're about to deliver a child, unless a male relative arrives to escort them to the doctor. Mm. Well, Dr. Sharf, again, it's devastating to hear how women in Afghanistan is suffering today, socially and also this culturally. But I want to ask the question, you know, again, it's so hard to imagine that under the Taliban's government, the rise towards education for women has completely been taken away. Now, again, for some of us that we live outside this country, we know that education can open up a world of opportunities. But it's rather difficult to comprehend why do you think the Taliban is so concerned about education 
towards women. Now, let me ask the question in in a better way: Is how, which one is more scary for the Taliban? Is it education provide for women, or is the effectiveness of education upon women? How would you explain that? Thank you, Will. I think you have it right that education. We all know around the world, an effective education provides a person with. The ability to go out and find work,、mm. the ability to make sound decisions that are reasoned and that are going to lead to better outcomes for themselves and the people that they care for, it's going to lead to opportunities. It's going to lead to a chance to talk to people in the outside world.、Mm. All of these are things that the Taliban does not want for its female population. The concept of women in the Taliban's concept of the world is to be at home to take care of the family. When women have access to education, they are going to fight for more and more rights. They're going to demand a seat at the table, and that's the opposite of what the Taliban wants. So, I think you rightly point out it's not just access to education; it's access to an effective education. But Taliban has shut down the movement. It's shut down women's ability to access education of any form, and that it's also sending a signal. You know, it's sending a signal of the Taliban's dominance and power in the country to say you're not going to be leaving your houses, you're not going to be going to school.、Mm. I think what's really interesting and important for us to pay attention to is that women are still protesting,、mm. even in the face of extraordinary danger. Women are still protesting because they need, they want to have access to jobs and have access to that outside world. So, the Taliban is intent on shutting that down. Women and girls are still fighting for their right to education. Well, Dr. Sharf, again, I want to go back to the article. In the article, you also mentioned, and this is quite significant. It says we also know that women have a central role in advancing democratic freedom. Now, help us to understand. Of course, on one hand, no one is going to sit there silently and just waiting for the rules to be passed, or just waiting for the Taliban continue to place further restrictions on women. But meanwhile, we have seen that women today in Afghanistan started to rise up and started to voice the opposition towards the Taliban government. Now, help us to understand how effective is the opposition. Among the women today, and also, how much do you think the Taliban really care about the opposition or even this anger, frustrations among women today? You're right, Will. That women continue to fight and to protest, and let's not forget that.、Uh, those of us outside of Afghanistan, let's continue to pay attention to hear their stories. I'll tell you the story of one particular woman, Will. Her name is Zara Joya. She. Founded a media company called Rukshana, a media nonprofit called Rukshana Media,、mm. which is dedicated to telling the stories of women inside of Afghanistan. And she founded this eight months before the fall of Kabul. And when Kabul fell, she had to flee Afghanistan. But she continued the work, reporting on the stories of women with a network of reporters inside of Afghanistan. And we have partnered with Rukshana Media at the Fuller Project. In order to make sure that the stories and the voices of Afghan women continue to be told, so during the fall of Kabul, with working with Rukshana, we were able to tell stories and to have first-person reports from women around the country talking about the specific challenges they were facing, women who 
went to protest, but then were um, hunted down in their houses and had to flee. Mm. Women who had worked for years to become specialists, to have jobs, who were losing everything, who were trapped in their homes. And I'm telling you this, Will, because there are women like Zara Joya, who no matter what has happened, continue to fight and to tell stories. Her way of protesting is to report these stories about the things that are happening to Afghan women and to Afghan girls. So there are people out there like Zara Joya who continue their work. And for for those of us who are interested in um, supporting, you just have to look. There are ways to find to support the women who are continuing to fight and to lead. And women like Zara Joya also know and are working with Afghan women inside the country as well. So I think given how severe the situation is, Perhaps some people look at the case of women in Afghanistan and say it's too late, nothing can be done, nothing's going to change the Taliban's mind, but that that really isn't true. There are people working and fighting, both Afghan women, allies of Afghan women, people in governments as well. Mm. Dr. Sharf, again, let's go back to the role of the U.S. Again, that makes your article more appealing at the first place. Again, the, t- the the title of the article is called America, It's Again Failing Afghanistan's Women and Itself. Now, I want to ask the question, why is it crucial to bring America into this conversation? You know, because again, Dr. Sharf, when we are talking about this ongoing political polarization or looking at this political division, on one hand, some experts believe that it's time for U.S. stop being the police for the world. So in other words, it's important that we need to take care of this domestic affairs before meddling with international crisis. But on the other hand, also people argue that it's important for U.S. continue to be the role model or continue to um, share the responsibilities for such humanitarian crisis. So again, Dr. Sharf, help us to understand what role does the U.S. play when we are looking at the suppression of Afghanistan's women? And why do you think it will be effective or how do you think it will be effective in order to solve the crisis? The U.S., whether or not they should be the world's policemen going forward, they most certainly played a tremendous role in Afghanistan going back two decades and going into the country, fighting war in the country, training war fighting troops in the country. And that war fighting effort was justified for a number of reasons. One of them was in fact to fight for women's rights. So while that wasn't the lead reason that the US government gave for going into Afghanistan, it was certainly something talked about from the very beginning of the war. Mm. It was talked about by then First Lady Laura Bush. It was talked about continuously throughout the years. It was talked about by Secretary Hillary Clinton as well, who said that Afghan women's rights are non-negotiable. So as far as the US, US citizenry, we were accustomed to hearing that the U.S. government was committed to advancing Afghan women's rights. And a great deal of effort was made, in fact. Quite a lot of money was spent amid the trillions of dollars that were spent on the war in Afghanistan uh, on advancing women's rights through a number of different avenues. 
And some of those avenues were successful during that period. They have now been reversed, but some efforts were quite successful. For example, extending education to girls, um, improving maternal care so that maternal deaths reduced very significantly. Mm. Working with midwives, there were some initiatives that really worked. Um, There were some that really failed. There were some instances where huge amounts of money were spent in a top-down way where targets were not hit and where the outcomes were not achieved. And in those cases, what the Fuller Project found when reporting on these programs, for example, a large-scale program to put women into security sector jobs, whether jobs in the military or jobs in police, we found that there was a large target set to have 5,000 women into these types of jobs. And yet the facilities for women, even the basic facilities like bathrooms on the base were completely insufficient. And there weren't even mechanisms to report sexual harassment within the ranks, which is known sexual harassment and rape, which was known to be an issue. So what we've seen at the Fuller Project over years of reporting on Afghanistan where we've paid very close attention because of the high stakes for women's rights and the high level of involvement in the United States. What we have consistently found is a theme, which is that programs are developed without sufficient input from Afghan women on the ground, Afghan women civil society members who could better inform priorities that would actually help women's rights. Mm. Now, why is this important? It is important because... In addition to the human rights imperative that any woman or girl should have basic rights, it is also a matter of building democracy, building inclusive economy, and building stability in the region, building health, and these things actually affect the entire world. So when a woman has equal standing in society or when her standing in society is improving, it's actually a predictor of a better, stronger democratic process and of a stronger country overall. Mm. So you asked the question, should the United States be the world's policeman? In this case, the United States was very, very, very heavily involved. And so what my, what my article is arguing for is that given how much the U.S. has invested, how much the U.S. has been involved, at a minimum, the U.S. deserves to have answers from the government about what went wrong, Mm. what could have been done better, Mm. and how those lessons can be taken into any future engagements that we may have with countries abroad related to women's rights and, and, as you said, at home as well. So we haven't had that kind of reporting out from our government, despite the large amount of money, the large amount of effort, and even human life that has been spent on these efforts. Dr. Sharf, I want to bring the conversation regarding the military power into this dialogue. Now, again, help us to understand, and this is something that you also mentioned in the article as well. Again, we know that previously, before sitting U.S. President Joe Biden decided to put the troops out of Afghanistan, that we have to say, to some extent, by stationing or building military base in Afghanistan, provide some certain stability for the people, perhaps especially for the women in in Afghanistan. But right now today, when we look at this military power, this military presence 
it seems more controversial than ever. Again, Dr. Sharf, help us to understand from this military presence, how much do you think that actually made a difference while U.S. stationed in Afghanistan? When we talk about social stability, we talk about this cultural preservation, etc. And most importantly is women today in Afghanistan. Again, this is mentioned in you mentioned the article as well. Women felt targeted and also they feel unsafe. So by having the military troop in Afghanistan, did it really help? Or maybe it's time we need to re-talk about we can bring some other international effort to the country in order to ensure the safety and also ensure the quality life for women. What do you say to that? We did see really clearly that as the U.S. withdrew its presence that the Taliban took over, took over Kabul. And that is where we saw the consolidation of political control by the Taliban. And that's where we saw these drastic reversals on a national level with regards to women's rights. So on a basic level, we can see that when the Taliban take over, there's a totally different political agenda Mm. and that that happened as the U S was pulling out. So that, it, it does it does indicate that a military presence was holding the Taliban back from some total consolidation of political control. Mm. That being said, uh, the U.S. government concluded that a permanent large-scale military presence in Afghanistan wasn't feasible. What are the other things that can be done in order to promote women's rights in Afghanistan? I think that is that is really the big question at this moment. And anyone looking at this situation has to understand that the arc of history is very, very long. Women's rights have been dramatically impacted by Taliban being in control, being out of control, being in control. That being said, there are other levers. So what I have heard a UN official recently who I spoke with talk about was the importance of pressuring other governments Mm. who are still in relationship with the Taliban, especially governments in the region, perhaps other governments where there's a majority Muslim population, governments that are moderate or are more moderate than the Taliban, who can talk to uh, their counterparts and apply pressure with regards to this regime related to women's rights, which is the most extreme that exists in the entire world. So um, what I heard this UN official suggest was that anyone anywhere in the world should be writing to embassies, writing to their officials, keeping up a drumbeat related to, hey, we care about the situation there. We want our officials to continue to pay attention if you are in if you're in relationship to any of the political actors in Afghanistan, then you should also be applying pressure. So this is what I have heard policymakers suggest. I have also heard um, I've also heard from an Afghan colleague the outrage that some Afghans feel about governments who are still working with the Taliban. So whether it's Western governments or otherwise who are still providing aid or who are providing a political platform or any form of recognition whatsoever. So people have different views about that. It's a, it, governments have de- taken different stances with regards to whether they would continue to provide aid or whether they would cut off all relations. I think from the perspective of the Fuller Project, which really we believe in the power of telling stories. That mm. is what we are here to do. We're here to report stories, to expose injustices, and to hold accountable. 
there are a great many stories to be told and to be understood. Women in Afghanistan shouldn't be abandoned. We should continue to read and to share their stories and also to support those who are still in a position to act. So um, we know that when the U.S. did invade Afghanistan and when a democratic government was put together, that women who had had been educated before the Taliban went back to Afghanistan in order to help rebuild the country. Mm. And that is that will hopefully be true in the future as well. So wherever it's possible to have contact with Afghan women to lift up and share their stories, which is our job, but hopefully others are continuing to find ways to support, to mm. support those actors. So I know, for example, there is um, a school called SOLA, uh, which was educating girls in Afghanistan, um, which is now outside of Afghanistan. There are, there are groups like that who have found ways to adapt and to adapt to this terrible environment. And those who want to support the, that long-term arc of women's rights can find avenues to do that. Hmm. Dr. Sharf, I want to wrap up our conversation by going back to the article. Again, you gracefully share with us regarding a girl called Droya. Now, also, we know that being a journalist in Afghanistan, it's rather challenging, especially for uh, women today. But meanwhile, there are numerous, or should we say countless female journalists today, and they're publishing their stories and amplifying their voices. Again, they're trying to tell the truth and allow people to understand it's important to honor the freedom. It's important to share the the news that how people are suffering under Taliban today. Now, help us to understand, Dr. Sharf, why is it important that we continue to support female journalists or any other journalists in Afghanistan? And how could we actually make a difference when we supporting their journalism journey or their passion and drive continue to tell the truth to the whole world? Thank you for asking that question, Will. Journalists and especially female journalists are under extreme duress in Afghanistan. And the number of journalists in the country has, who are actively working has been dramatically reduced, especially with regards to women. There are swaths of the country where there are no women reporters working now. So in addition to lifting up Rukshana Media and Zara Joya, uh, we also work with Zara Nader, who, who is a reporter that has just founded an organization called Zan Times. Mm. Zan means woman in Persian. She's reporting on the plight of women in Afghanistan and LGBTQ individuals and also on climate change in Afghanistan. And so, again, another woman who is doing heroic work, who's in touch with women on the ground, who is bringing these stories to bear. This, these efforts really do need support. They need financial support. They need amplification. At the Fuller Project, is part of our mission to partner with women reporters who are on the ground in the countries where we need to hear voices, whether it's in Afghanistan or in other parts around the world. What we see in international media is that it's harder and harder for even large papers to cover the stories of uh, people in, in countries around the world. And it's always been true that women's voices have been disproportionately left out of coverage. Mm. And that actually is still true in the case of Afghanistan and many countries around the world. So we, you will see if you look back at coverage that 
there's very little coverage which is led by Afghan women reporters in large legacy media. We need to see more of that. We need to see more of Afghan women's voices leading coverage about what's happening in their own countries. And we need to we need to encourage editors to stay focused on these stories. That's what we do at the Fuller Project. We stay focused on the story. We are committed to the story of Afghanistan. We have been reporting on it since we launched about eight years ago, hmm. continuing to report and follow the drumbeat. And when the rest of the world turns their attention elsewhere, we stay on the story of Afghanistan because it's fundamental to fundamental to women's well-being in the country. And we are all connected. How women fare in Afghanistan and how the country does overall affects all of us. We're all a part of a global system. And if COVID taught us nothing else, it's that. We can't leave the problems of other countries to the side. We are all connected in one global community. So we need to stay on these stories. Unfortunately, international headlines will often jump. So we'll hear about Afghanistan, but then now we're moving over because there's a crisis in another part of the world that we need to hear about, whether it's Ukraine or elsewhere. We need to we need to pay attention to the things that are happening in the world, not just today and not just this year, but these long-standing issues. We need to stay with Afghanistan for the long term and understand the changes in Taliban policy, the impact on women's lives. And very, very importantly, the many ways in which women are fighting back who need our attention. They need our ear. We need to stay focused on that story for the long term. Well, again, Dr. Sharf, I agree with you 100 percent. So that's why it's important that I invite distinguished speaker like you to join our show to talk about, again, these ongoing political and social struggles for women in Afghanistan. And also, it's not just about how one country can help. It's really that what you said, if we know if we learn nothing from the pandemic, one thing that we need to keep in mind is joint effort indeed make significant differences. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to speak to Dr. Sharf. Again, Dr. Sharf is the co-founder and the CEO of the Fuller Project, and which is the global newsroom dedicated to groundbreaking reporting that catalyzed positive change for women. Again, Dr. Sharf, that she has built the project to be the go-to source for exclusive, in-depth global reporting about women that will otherwise be untold. Well, Dr. Sharf, I really appreciate your time and really appreciate all the good news and also the effort that you're doing at the Fuller Project. And again, I say this on behalf of my show. And again, I will continue to pray for the work that you're doing and also pray for the people in Afghanistan. And uh, for in the future, I strongly encourage everyone to go online, follow the Fuller Project and follow Dr. Sharf's work. And we'd love to have you back back on the show for our future episodes it's not just about afghanistan it's about all worth noticing news around the world so thank you so much for doing this 